Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. It is post-blue-white game and some actual football to talk about, Dustin. How much does that excite you? Uh, it is just nice just to, you know, stop thinking about my own voice for a second and see something that's actually going on and not try to forecast this or project that or anticipate this. I mean, there's still a lot of that going on, but you at least have something to work off of now. And you've got uh, a little bit of a progress update on guys that you haven't seen before, namely the January enrollees. And uh, I think some of the guys that we had heard were having good winters or good springs. You know, I think it, they fortified their cases on Saturday, too. So I think there was a little bit of validation in some of that buzz that we had been hearing uh, com- coming up to this this weekend. But it's always good. You know, I wasn't up there. I know you uh, had your hands quite full. Uh, with a tailgate and you were the cook and and all that. But just to have, uh, you know, all those fans, 63,000, I guess, was the listed number, getting out there and actually having some fun and tailgating and all that. That just kind of is a nice little, like, bridge between winter and the actual season. Okay, now here's my heads up for today. You're going to get both Sweet Jim and Salty Jim today, okay? Okay. This is like salted caramel. Or, or like so, a like like a, like a Jimmy Trail mix. Yes, yes. So, which do you want first? Oh, uh, I want I want sweet first because I want to save the salty and savor that later. Okay, Let, let's start with the sweet. As you alluded to, we had our tailgate event. Probably everyone's tired of us talking about it. It was fantastic, except for the rain, Dusty. I won't get to the salty about the uh, weather people who predicted a nice day and it steadily got worse and it was supposed to be an occasional shower. Instead, it just it was a constant rain during tailgate time. But just an excellent time. If you've never tailgated at the Revel XP lot, it's phenomenal. Especially love the valet service. You just pull up. They take all your stuff for you. At the end of the day, they do the cleanup. You don't have to worry about all that. Provide tables and all that. We had great beer from New Trail, wine from Blue and White Wines. Andrew provided all the 409 tailgate sauces and rubs for cooking. Just absolutely perfect. Got to meet many of the player parents also. And you know what, Dustin? I think we we sit from afar. We see the football players. It's almost like they're robots. Yeah. But getting to talk to their families, it really humanizes them. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I think that's true with, you know, all athletes, but especially football players, because they're dressed like robots. You don't see their faces all the time. You just, you know, you attach a a name or a number and you just assume they're like superhumans. You aren't going through the same things as, as you or I are. And I think, you know, getting a chance to talk to the parents and, and hearing them, it's, you know, it kind of gets you in touch with like, you know, when there's criticism or when the player is, is, you know, uh, on the wrong side with fans or if like Sean Clifford's parents, you know what that experience is like, it does humanize the, the fan experience. I hope that that was the case for everybody who was there. I, I hope so too. And I think it did. It certainly did for me. And I, I do want to share one story from one of the parents. I'm not going to identify them because 
I wasn't talking to them as a journalist. I never talk as a journalist anyway, Dusty. So it was it was just a conversation. And during the conversation, it was they told me about why their son chose Penn State. And it was a story about how James Franklin was the one coach who would talk to their son about things other than just pure football. That he was, what are your other interests? What are you, just everything else. Whereas, and he named even another big time school and just said, it was instantly just football. That was all the conversation was about. So a lot of this you read and hear when the players say it, to hear, it's true when you hear, get it confirmed by a parent. It's wonderful to hear. And I think as a Penn State fan, it makes me appreciate James Franklin even more. I think he's more than just a football coach. He's a great representative for the university. And, and I do think um, he does care about individuals um, and being well-rounded. And, you know, the education part of it and the socializing part of it, um, you know, just just making sure that, that he's – looking for people who want to be that way. And it's not to crown this guy a saint or anything, but he is kind of like, again and again, I think you hear stories about his, his preference to, to, to do that kind of thing. And, you know, it can make a difference for, for people. If you care about that, that person as a human being, you're going to care about them and you're going to see them and you're going to lead them and you're going to treat them, you know, as, as almost an extension of their parents. And I think that's why he's so good with parents. Yes. And, and it, the interesting thing was when the parent was telling the story, it wasn't, well, I felt this way. It was my son felt this way. Yeah. Which even more so tells you something. And it, it was nice to hear. All right. Do you want salty Jim now, or do you want to save? No, salty I think Jim for later. I think salty Jim now because I think we'll bring another. We'll bring more saltiness out later. I'm sure. Okay, f- fair enough. Plus, we needed the balance, the yin and yang, yeah, uh, the sweet with the salty. All right, would you explain to me how having 11 minute quarters with a running clock is the best way to do this? Yes, it's better than what last year was. Okay, but this amounts to half a game. You've already got limited a number of practices in the spring, just 15 of them. And this counts as one of those practices. Is that really the best use of a practice? One out of 15 practices. It it literally amounts to about half a game. You mean these kids can't use more reps than that? Really? It's like you blink and this game was over. I mean, how often are you leaving a blue white game saying, man, I wish we had more blue white game. I need to see more tank Smith late, or I need to see more. I mean, maybe I, I clearly that was you, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really hear the justification of it. And it is interesting. Like how the idea of having a structure to this game is a fluid concept from year to year based on whatever the particular strengths or concerns or injury issues or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I think next year is probably going to be something different. I don't know why 11 minutes and a running clock. I personally don't have a big problem with that because I think uh, as the game drags on and as you start to get into non-scholarship players occupying a lot of those spots, I don't need to see that for for you know more than a quarter, I guess. So I, I didn't have a big problem with it. 
Well, see, now, I understand that, you know, a veteran, if Olufashinu didn't play like was the case, I have no problem with that. Sean Clifford, in his 13th year, doesn't need spring practice. And candidly, I'm not looking to see the 13th practice or 13th year of Sean Clifford. I don't need that in the spring. How many um, how many passes did uh, a Smolik throw in this game? Uh, that's a good question. Let me pull, let me pull the box score back up. Uh, was it not one? Let's see. He was credited. I assume that was a sack. Uh, yeah, one. He was zero for one. Yep. You mean he couldn't use a couple more reps? Is that what you're telling me, Dusty? Well, I mean, given the way that the game was going, and I'm just I'm just going devil's advocate because you do this to me constantly. Uh, whenever it's like, hey, rank these guys, and I'm going to tell you exactly what problem I have with your rankings. But, um, <laughs> but each, each to our skills, Dusty. Yeah, each exactly. Exactly. It doesn't look. I mean, all things considered, it just didn't look like more reps was necessarily better for Jackson Small like, under the circumstances where it was like an uphill battle. You know, do you really need your freshman out there? And, you know, I think ultimately Franklin kind of views this as the culmination, the celebration, the, you know, just get a taste of, of Beaver stadium in front of, uh, in front of a lot of fans. Uh, the fan experience is both before and after the game as well. And I, I don't think he's interested in really dragging this thing out, especially when it comes to, you know, risk versus reward. Uh, they, I think all they got all the hard work from, um, from spring practice done in the first 14 sessions. This was just kind of the uh, icing on the cake. Well, I, I see your point. It would be much better for Smolik to get his next reps in front of a crowd on the road at Iowa when the uh, starter and the backup are injured. That would be much better for that's the that's directly from the Taquan Roberson theory of quarterbacking <laughs> quarterback development program. <laughs> Yeah, yes, it is. All right. That's it for Salty, Jim. Let's move on. Let's talk about what actually did happen. Everyone wants to start with the quarterback. Let's start there. Dusty, what'd you think of Drew Aller? You know, I, th- I think um, considering the the way the offense was was running, the way that the defense w- was playing, I mean, y- you had some some moments where, uh, you know, he looked like a, a young quarterback and it looked like, you know, he's a little off the mark or whatever. But you had, you had just strokes of brilliance. And I think, you know, it's just going to take him some time and reps and experience where those strokes of, of brilliance become more commonplace than, than the mistakes. You know, I, I had seen some people kind of concerned about accuracy and all that. I'm not really concerned about his accuracy very much. Um, I think he just, it it was a good work session for him and he did some good things, including the the touchdown pass. The only touchdown of the game was really a nice, uh, a nice bit of quarterbacking by him, Uh, not throwing, not just flashing tools, but I think his ability to actually quarterback and work through progressions. And, you know, one of the things that Sean Clifford got knocked for a lot was an inability to to process and do that in real time, especially when there's pressure and all that. I think Drew Aller kind of flashed that, that he can be a little different and he can actually work his way through from one point to another and check it down. Uh, I, I think getting that confirmation, the off platform stuff, the big arm, you know, there's a lot of stuff we know about him. What we don't really know yet and i don't think this really helped or or hurt the cause was you know just the idea of him being a a four-quarter player 
You know, it's great to come in for a quarter or a half or a series or two series and flash this or flash that. Now he's got to come in. He's got to be able to start the game, uh, be error free. Then he's got to close games out. He's got to lead two minute drives, the whole assortment of things. And that's just going to be a work in progress. And uh, to assume that he's going to be brilliant in year one is kind of a mistake. To assume he's going to be a disaster in year one is going to be a mistake. I think there's going to be some ups and some downs, kind of like what we saw on Saturday. I think you hit it. I I expect him to be both brilliant and make blunders, okay? And that's the nature of a very talented young quarterback. And But I think the things when there were the mistakes, the, I'll use that word blunder. It's not a pass, oh, he's incapable of making this or he's inaccurate. I think it's either he nonchalanted or his footwork wasn't good. They're fixable items, and I don't know if it's focus or I think it's just inexperience at this point, and even a little bit of adrenaline, excitement, first time with the crowds this year, first time he's the guy. So we're going to keep talking about the game, Dustin. Unfortunately, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We'll hit it some more in quarter number two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to quarter number two of our show. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. We're talking Penn State football, blue-white game. And between segments, I brought up one more salty Jim comment. Please explain to me why the quarterbacks wear a black jersey, which looks pretty much like the blue jersey. Yeah, I think you'd have to ask the big guy about that one. I, I'm not I'm not real sure why why not red. Like what's what's wrong with red? Excellent point. Let's move on from salty Jim. I know we finished we were finishing up a last segment. We didn't give much time to it, so let's finish up our discussion on Drew Aller and what conclusions, if any, you can come from really one game or ha- literally half a game, Dustin. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you were on to something when we closed out quarter one, just looking at the types of throws that, that Drew Aller is going to make. And uh, I think there's there's a certain comfort level with him with, with putting the ball on a dime 35 yards across the hashes, you know, right onto the sideline or the corner of the end zone that he has that rare ability. And so you, and then you see it where there's pass rush and there's, you know, there's bodies and there's traffic and he's able to kind of underarm it, or he's able to sidearm it and change his arm angle. He's got that. You know, I think one of the things that's interesting for a guy who's got, you know, a Ferrari in the garage and that right arm of his is, is just being able to rock and fire and hit a basic slant. Or if a guy sits down and against zone coverage, eight yards down the field, being able to, to throw that ball with the right accuracy timing and not overthink it. Uh, if you have time in the pocket and you're making a simple throw to not be so amped up that you overthrow it. I mean, I think it's just feeling the game and, and finding that sweet spot where you're, you're taking something off the ball, you're adding something to it. Uh, you're, you're making the basic throws with ease and with consistency. And sometimes I think when you have a guy who's got such a gigantic arm and has such a flair for dynamic playmaking with, with that arm of his, uh, I think that's an interesting thing to watch is, is, is the idea of easy throws, basic throws, uh, you know, just looking at uh, hitting the running back out of the backfield and, and short stuff. I think that's something that I'd like to see, you know, really be tightened up and, and cleaned up. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately that's where uh, for a guy like Drew Aller, um, I think it's going to be interesting watching his completion percentage because he's going to take some shots that other quarterbacks won't. He's going to believe in his arm and his ability to put it where his guy can make a play and, and all that. But uh, his completion percentage is really going to be tied to his ability to, to, to make uh, good accurate throws that are routine, you know, not the hero stuff, just the, the routine down to down plays that, that pick up four or five yards at a time. Right. And I, when you mentioned the, uh, the running back coming out, I think you're alluding to the play where Catron Allen was standing by himself. Allen made a little bit of move inside the pocket and just missed on the throw, a throw he's probably made 10,000 times without a problem. And I think it, like I said, I think it's youth. It's, uh, enthusiasm, it's adrenaline, it's all of yeah. that. That I think, managing that adrenaline, you know, yeah, man. You 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 want to you know your 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 mind and your body are pre- you're prepared mentally to make a 55 yard throw. You're prepared to, to to hit a post that's 25 to 30 yards down the field, and then you have to to kind of bring yourself back to a place with bodies flying around you to just settle down and make the easy throw. And sometimes it's just uh, you know something you got to get used to. And I think that's a lot easier to clean up than than the other stuff i'm really excited about seeing him this fall uh dusty it leads to the bigger question about the um concerns about the offense is this a case where at this point in time the defense just in general will be ahead of the offense or is this also a case that this defense is just so good and so deep I don't care who you are, what offense it is, you're probably going to struggle. I think both of those things are true. I think this time of year, most coaches would say your defense is ahead of your offense uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but then you you also have obviously a new starter at quarterback. You, you've got you know some of your veteran offensive linemen haven't been playing a lot or practicing a lot. They didn't play in, in, in this game. You're looking at a, a you know, you have some familiar faces at wide receiver, but the 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 tone of that room is completely different. Uh, your top tight end is gone. 
You know, you're not going to, you're not going to, in a game like this one with a, a running clock, 11 minute quarters, in case you forgot, Jim, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to pound the rock 60 times either you, and, and lean on your, the real strength of your offense. So it, it did, it is kind of a coordination and timing and, and all that. I think there were going to be some, some obvious blips in, in all that. Um, but the reality is, you know, you do have to sort out what's going on at wide receiver. And I think you're going to need most of your training camp to do that. A, a very good situation could arise out of that, but there's still work that needs to be done there. Uh, there's still work that needs to be done with Aller. So, yeah, I mean, I think between now and, and training camp, there's a lot of progression that can happen. And then certainly before the start of the season, but I think um, just the, if you're going to struggle against this defense, I think it's understandable, you know, with, with the talent that they have and all these different levels. And, and as you said, I think, when you do get into reserve players, you've got starter caliber guys on defense where I'm not sure that that's the case on offense. You know, your second team versus second team is a no contest defense versus offense. So I think it's, it's both of those things are true. And I, I did see the sentiment coming out of this game. Okay. What do you need from the offense this year? Do you need 40 points or is this defense going to be so good? So special, so good at getting to the quarterback, so good at creating turnovers that they can carry the offense along. And I think that's an interesting storyline to come out of this. What, how is this season going to go down? Is it is the offense going to start out shaky and evolve and grow and get better and better? I think that's probably a, a good possibility. But you could have a, a version of you could have a season where the defense is so good that they can put the program on its back. And certainly, you know, I think. If you have, if if all else fails and you just have to lean on Singleton and Catron Allen, then that's not such a bad thing either. And an improved offensive line and a couple good tight ends while you wait for the wide receivers and the quarterback to catch up. Let, let's talk about those wide receivers. And James Franklin multiple times has talked about Keandre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace. They're our first two. And I, it's understandable in one way. Lambert Smith has the most experience, and I think with Parker Washington out at the end of the year, he really showed. I think Trey Wallace has so many tools. I, I'm excited about him. Were you excited enough about what Omari Evans showed in this game that you're saying, uh-huh, there's our number three? Uh, frankly, yeah. You know, and, and I think, um, you know, Franklin has said about we need a number three. We need a number three. We need a number three. That was a lot of winter and spring comments. And it was just a, just issuing that challenge to that group again and again and again. He made that point again after the game. And he and he basically said, although one guy played like a number three, you know, and that, and that was Amari Evans. Five catches for 80 yards. He, he caught that touchdown where. Uh, Drew Aller worked through his progressions and I was just rewatching the play and I didn't realize how physical it was when, when uh, he was trying to gain separation and uh, I don't think his defender fell down. I think he was pushed down either way. Um, I think Omari Evans, his story is interesting. Uh, I think the fact that they, they played him last year when they knew uh, he wasn't going to generate a lot of production, right? I think they, they liked what he brought. Um, with that speed, but it sure sounds like he got stronger without compromising on speed. It sounds like the, the 
idea of playing the wide re- receiver position became it was like like the light bulb came on a bit in the offseason. And I think those are the things like working on his frame and understanding the nuance of the position were the really the, tr- the two barriers between Amari Evans and being a consistent contributor. And I know it's one game and I know, uh, you know, spring practice seemed to go really, really well for him. But he looks like he could be capable of that. And now I think it's worth saying, like, they've got their their top two. Amari Evans looks like he could maybe make a bid for number three. When they're talking about this, when James Franklin's discussing this, he's not talking about Dante Cephas because he's not on campus yet. Um, so I think it'll be very interesting when he does get there and you have a, a real competition, a real spirited competition for, for that spot and some of those other spots. But, you know, I think uh, Amari Evans, if he's going to play like this and look like this, which I think is, is definitely viable, uh, it does add a layer of confidence to, to the group as a whole. It, it really does, Dusty. And speaking of Amari Evans, he was the he played quarterback in high school, right? So mm-hmm. he's got that more room, I think, for improvement. The fact that playing quarterback in high school and a year later he sheds the red shirt, plays as a true freshman above several other people, shows that they saw some promise there. The refinements that need to be made, I think that provides a pretty high ceiling for this guy. Yeah, I think the the speed itself. So if if the game really slows down for him and he's able to keep using that speed more and more and more, uh, I think there there's a very bright future for him. And um, I think we talked last week. We were looking at some of the things we wanted to watch, and uh, I, I pointed out chemistry between Drew Aller and Liam Clifford. Um, but I also think there's some, there was some chemistry blossoming between uh, Drew Aller and Omari Evans last year. So that is an interesting thing to follow too. You talk about what that, what difference that, that that can make. What about your young hot short quarter hot shot quarterback uh, really believing in Amari Evans and and liking the connection there? That can make a difference too. I, I think that's a great point, and I do believe there's something to that quarterback wide receiver connection. Also, I think worth noting the big catch. Uh, it was from Drew Aller Omari Evans last season when he caught the touchdown pass. He was just faster than the defense and beat them deep. That wasn't the case in this spring game. He was running other routes, was able to get open, was able to make catches. Anyone else among the wide receivers stand out? I know Caden Saunders had some catches. Malik McClain had a couple catches. Anything stand out there to you? There, there was some flashing there, and if you're going to have Caden Saunders be a pretty busy guy in the in the short intermediate part of the field, I think I think there's some there's there's a niche there that can, that can be played by him. And I do expect him. Uh, I I don't know if he's a, a top three guy. I think the 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 deck stacked against him to be a top three guy to start the year, but that doesn't mean that he can't cycle in and he can't you know maybe make. 16, 18, 20 catches or something like that and, and be uh, and have a few moments along the way and kind of show that he's the future of the position. So I, I think he's on that trajectory. Uh, Anthony Ivy, I think, uh, has flashed and I think Malik McLean flashed. So I think there's, you know, the, 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 it's ongoing to go from this like, hey, we got six, what James Franklin said again and again, to having three really, really good ones. And that might not even be like by the time week one starts, the 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 three that you've got it could be very different by the end of the year too and i think that, i think you got to be open to that so i think there's still a long way to go there's a lot of bodies there and i do think the cream will eventually rise to the top at the end of training camp and i did like that slant that mclean ran made the hands catch 
shows strong hands. Yeah. It's the kind of catch that you like to see your receivers make. All right, Dustin, that's it for quarter number two. Starting in quarter number three, you're going to get back to the sweet gym because we get to talk about some of the defensive players. Stay <laughs> tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. We're talking blue-white game. We got through Sweet Jim, we got through Salty Jim, we got through the offense. Now, Dustin, let's talk about that defense. And before we hit the individuals, one of the things you were talking about on offense, they're missing several of the starters, you have backups players in here here and there. Well, the same thing's going on in the defense, but it just doesn't matter. The second-team defense may as well be the first-team defense in a lot of cases. They're that good. They're that deep. I I think that's, I mean, not to overstate it, but if you look at Penn State's 12th best through 22nd best defender, you are probably looking at a Big Ten caliber defense. You know, a a starting defense that's in that sort of like maybe bottom or or middle third of the Big Ten. And I think that's an area that they've come such a long way. And I think the recruiting over the past couple of years has really paid dividends. You've got guys playing early. Uh, you've got dynamic players in all the key spots looking at, um, you know, pass rush, uh, looking at cornerback. And I think that safety rotation has been outstanding. The linebackers have come really just full circle over the last calendar year, the development of Abdul Carter and the arrival of Tony Rojas, who will t- I'm sure we'll talk about some more. You know, I think they, they are just loaded with not just high end talent, but really, really good talent uh, in reserve roles so they can stay fresh with almost no drop off whatsoever. It's always what they want to achieve. 
But I feel like this group in particular is, is so well positioned to achieve that uh, this year where, where there's not much drop off at all. And there's such a good example right off the bat of a non-starter looking like a freaking, you know, first round draft pick on Saturday. Okay, Dustin, that's where I want to go. Tony Rojas, KJ Winston, Deny Dennis Sutton are the three guys I felt like they stood out on defense. And the one common thing that they have going for them is you got to consider them all backups, right? At this stage of the game, I mean, the, the, the guy who is closest, I think, to maybe pushing for an actual starting role is probably KJ Winston, just because I think from one through four, you have different types of players of safety, but I don't know if anybody's really, you know, head and shoulders above the other three. So I think that one, you know, whether you are a starter when the game begins or whether you just play, you know, a hefty workload for a reserve, KJ Winston is going to be in that mix, but man, it's, it really feels like it's going to be hard to keep him out of that role. Um, we did hear, you know, after the game, Keaton Ellis, uh, not just a presumed starter at safety, but a captain. So that probably indicates, you know, one job locked in there is, you know, and then Zachy Wheatley and, uh, and, and Jaden Reed and, and, uh, KJ Winston are going to be really good two through four there. And then denied then a sudden, you know, Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, I don't think they're going anywhere. So now what do you do with that? You know, that's an embarrassment of riches as, as pass rushers. Um, you know, Dennis Sutton has the highest ceiling maybe of that entire group, but I'm not sure if he's a starter necessarily or, you know, and, and I think I indicated this too. What I would really love to see is more than two of those safeties on the field. What I really would, would love to see even more is more than two of those pass rushers on the field at one time. Uh, bring all three of those guys in and sort of that race car package. I think we're going to see it too. Do you know what, uh, Dusty? Just want to mention to you a um, fairly obscure rule in football for the defense. They're only allowed 11 guys on the field at the same time. So if we're adding all these extra defensive ends and extra safeties and potentially extra linebackers, hey, look, they may violate that 11 guy rule. Look, okay. Let's, let's say defensive end. All right. So uh, Dennis Sutton's 262 pounds. Uh, that is, I forget what Hakeem Beeman weighs in at, but that's not very far off from, from him. Uh, what are you, what are you really losing? If you swap in deny Dennis Sutton on a third and 13 and, and send a, def- a defensive tackle to the bench, I don't think you're losing a whole lot there. So I, I think you might see that. Uh, I compared deny Dennis Sutton in terms of like his, his football maturity, um, to Yitor Grossmatos coming out of Virginia in 2017, I guess it was. Uh, and we saw Yitor Grossmatos play as a, as a true freshman. He, I, I, I think it was kind of an explosion onto the scene as a sophomore. Uh, so I think in terms of football maturity, I think he's going to follow that trajectory. He doesn't need to be a starter to get eight or nine sacks this year, which is kind of exactly what I expect from him. And, you know, I was joking about getting the different players, but you do know that Manny Diaz will mix and match. I mean, we have saw some crazy formations there. I remember you and I sitting side by side in, at the game down at Auburn and looking at that defensive front, and there were seven guys, and I'm not sure there was a defensive tackle there. And so that they will play those guys, and there will be about 20, 22 guys that, 
I'm just going to call them starters on defense because that's how many have significant time just to keep heaping the praise on the defensive ends. When you say deny Dennis Sutton has the highest upside, that's saying a lot when you've got chop Robinson there. And that's another one of my man crushes. Yeah. I mean, chop Robinson was absolutely outstanding last year. And I think, you know, the defensive end position, uh, when you're watching the game on TV or you're rewatching it or, uh, or you, you know, you kind of focus on the production in terms of pass rush and, uh, making plays behind the line of scrimmage. But I think chop Robinson thrived in those roles, but he also, uh, was, uh, attentive to the details of, of playing the run and, uh, maintaining his assignment and setting an edge, like all the things that, that you and I don't often judge a defensive end by. I think all these guys do those things well, including deny Dennis Sutton. And I think that's just such a great place to start now for, well, first year defensive line coach, Dion Barnes, a place for him to start is having guys who are capable of delivering pass rush production, like a first round draft pick, but also aren't above you know, doing the nitty gritty, the, the, the grind type work to defend against the run and stuff like that. So I think these three players as, as uh, defensive ends are, you know, as good as you're going to get from one through three, uh, certainly the, I, I really feel like from one through three, the best combination of pass rushers that Penn state has had under James Franklin. Dusty. Um, I want to talk about Tony Rojas some more. Here was the narrative going into the spring. Gee, if he wasn't so light, in a couple years, he's going to put on like 29 pounds and really be relevant. Well, guess what, Dusty? He's already done that. And it really didn't appear like it slowed him down at all going by this game. So tell me, what's his limitation now? It really is just that 11 11 starting players thing. 11 players at a time. I, 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 I think, you know, Manny Diaz, like these are some, some tools in his pocket that I don't think he even had last year. So like you think about different packages and sub packages, you're going to have to find a way to get Tony Rojas involved. You're going to have to find a way to get KJ Winston and those safeties involved and get deny Dennis Sutton as many reps as he deserves, which is like all the reps in a perfect world. But you know, you're going to have to come up with some stuff that, that utilizes Tony Rojas's speed. I don't know what that is. I can't really say, but he is forcing his way onto the field. And he's one of those guys where, you know, you think about guys who can play as a true freshman and it, it requires being ready from a physical standpoint and being at a position that there are some openings. He's not really at a position that has openings other than in the, in the top six. But he is he's such a good player so quickly that they're going to have to use him one way or another and not just bury him on special teams. You know, you're, you're going to be able to liberally manage if you want to manage Curtis Jacobs snaps or if you want to manage Abdul Carter snaps. You know, you have a player who can be a game wrecker that is going to deserve some some of those reps, too. So maybe you find that sweet spot. But um, these are definitely some some things that and some dynamics that they didn't have, I think, even last year that uh, I'm I'm fascinated to see what Manny Diaz plans to do with that. But Tony Rojas, with all that weight he gained, I just think, you know, he was probably one of those guys who just didn't really get down with uh, lifting too much weight. 
Um, and I think, I, I think he was a multi-sport athlete. So maybe he just didn't have a lot of off season to just only focus on weight room. So when he gets to Penn state and he can focus on that, like it's his job because it is, uh, this is what happens. And, and the Penn state strength guys and James Franklin, they're not dumb. They know, they know how to add bulk without giving away the, the kids calling car, which they've already done. So I'm excited to see what he can do and how Penn state really allows him to do that. Given that they have, you know, such stark caliber players at both those outside spots. And and this is why I think I've been compared to Tony Rojas. I have that ability to put on bulk also, Dusty. Um, another name I wanted to ask you about is I, I see you laughing, which is is, is good. That's the way I got now. I got the same skill set, um, man. Same skill set here. <laughs> um is Tamara Robinson is another name I wanted to bring up because the situation for these spring games, and we saw it all over the place, and I have no problem with this. If any player has any question on an injury, you back them off here in the spring. And that's not just a case for a veteran, but especially a true freshman or even a kid who should still be in high school right now. Robinson's coming off a, a big injury, and he's on the field in a spring game already. What does that tell you about him? Boy, I mean, that's such a it's such a good sign. And uh, he's just kind of a mountain of a dude, too. Like, he he's a big athletic kid already. Um, he's listed at 230-plus pounds now. Uh, I, love, I loved his film coming out. Uh, he was different. Obviously, when you talk about the linebackers they have, like Tony Rojas is that guy who's going to be all over the field. Tamir Robinson, I think, has more pass rush uh, potential and more disruption potential closer to the line of scrimmage. And it's exciting to see him play already. It's exciting to see him get past that. And I think it's just another reminder. You know, I think what you're starting to see is when you have ACL type injuries, uh, you can sort of say at this point in time, to assume it's going to take a year to be back isn't always a good assumption anymore. The way that things are going, I mean, you can get you can have that kind of injury now and be back in I don't know, 6 months. You can beat doctors timetables by being an athletic freak and or working like crazy to to train and and uh, recover. I think Robinson maybe is both of those things. And you know that this program James Franklin, the medical staff you know they're conservative with injuries, and rightfully so. That's what you want from them. So they're not going to put him out there until not just he's ready, but he's ready, ready, if you know what I mean. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number three. There was also a lot of news off of the field. We're going to get to that in quarter number four. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Fourth quarter, he's Dusty, I'm Jim. We're wrapping things up with our blue-white weekend coverage. We took care of things on the field. Let's go to off the field. Let's start with James Franklin post game, and because we don't talk about it enough, let's talk about the transfer portal. And you know, when James Franklin was asked about it, I think it's almost like muscle memory what he says is he yeah. talks defensive tackles and wide receiver, which the wide receiver part is fascinating to me. They've got 12 scholarship wide receivers. They brought two in through the transfer portal already, and I'm counting Dante Cephas, who's coming in from Kent State at the end of the summer, or beginning of the summer, I should say. And defensive tackle, everyone says it. They need that one really big guy. Does that surprise you at all when you continually hear that from James Franklin talking about those positions? Well, here's what I believe. I, I believe James Franklin would really love a veteran defensive tackle. Somebody who's established, who doesn't need to be a star, but will do the dirty work, is 320 pounds. I think James Franklin really wants that and is happy to put the message out there, put the word out there that he's looking for that. Uh, just to make sure anybody who's got interested ears can can hear that and maybe respond accordingly. I, I don't think that that's uh, I think that that's true for sure. Uh, I think he keeps saying it about the wide receivers because I think he wants to say, tell every one of these players, every chance he gets, give me a reason to trust you. I don't know that he really wants another wide receiver to come in. He wants his guys to develop and take command and, and, and take command of their own development take uh you know take advantage of the opportunity ahead of him because all of them have a new opportunity in front of them it's about stepping up as he kept saying and amari evans did that on saturday will he continue to do that is is, is a question uh but i think it's just a i think it's just a, a spark for anthony ivy and caden saunders and liam clifford and trey even trey wallace and keandre lambert smith malik mclean you know i we're in the market you know we haven't seen enough from you guys yet so don't make us go out and get another player. I don't think he really wants another wide receiver. I think he really wants another defensive tackle. I think he just wants his wide receivers to respond. And I think he's going to take every public opportunity he can to make them realize that he's not messing around with this, that he wants and he needs several of these guys to take command of new and bigger roles and do something with them. 
Um, so I think that's interesting. 12 scholarship wide receivers. They don't need another wide receiver. I think if, if James Franklin can get a proven number one or number two guy who will, without a doubt, transition into the offense and catch 35 passes or something, he would love to see that. I just really, I really think he's just going to keep lighting a fire under the group he's already got. I agree with you. And at the um, defensive tackle position, there are pretty good number of players there. It's that one really big guy. And of course, as fate would have it, gee, there's a pretty big guy from Georgia who just hit the portal, right? Yeah, I think Bear Richardson is is the name, and you might you might see some more. I mean, you, you saw it, and we'll touch on this in in a minute. Uh, Penn State losing a player. It's like if you were third string coming out of of camp, and that could just be because like Georgia has freak show after freak show after freak show at defensive tackle. You just kind of get churned out of there. Um, you're going to see some other guys, I think, hit the portal. You've got a couple of weeks here to be able to move around before the window closes again for now. Um, so I think that maybe there'll be a gem out there to be had. Uh, I don't know that Penn State's answer at defensive tackle is on the current roster or not. We're going to have to see something kind of miles beyond what we've seen from from somebody there uh, to really feel good about where the tackles are. But um, but yeah, I think that'll be an interesting position to follow. Um, Penn State's clearly got a need. I think they've got a pretty good sales pitch in the fact that like the linebackers behind them, the cornerbacks are legit, the safeties are legit. Uh, we've got an offense around a five-star quarterback with two of the best sophomore running backs in the country, maybe the two best sophomore running backs in the country. There's a pretty good pitch to be made. Like we're just a defensive tackle away. Like come, come stabilize that. And who knows what we can achieve. So we'll see. I mean, I think as always, I kind of put the odds. It's more likely Penn State does not leave the spring with a defensive tackle, but I think they're in the market. And I think you might see the market take shape a little bit more over the next couple of weeks. And the other part of that sales pitch is, here's what we've done on the defensive line the last couple of years. We brought in Arnold Ibikidi. We brought in Chop Robinson. That's a pretty good story to tell when you're looking to bring in someone from the transfer portal, Dusty. Yeah, and even the defensive tackle they signed a couple of years ago, um, whose name escapes me because I'm getting older and older and older. Yeah. Um, even he did more than I thought he was going to do. Derek Tangelo. There you go. All the names are bouncing around. Sometimes I just got it's got to get my crosshairs. Yeah, even Derek Tangelo had a pretty nice little year. Got a got a little opportunity uh, at the NFL level to to try to catch on somewhere. So even that I think is a positive sales pitch. Now let's talk about the outgoing portal. Jimmy Christ. No surprise here. Is it's not like I wanted. I would name him specifically. Oh, I'm expecting him hit the transfer portal, but I think you could hit a couple places where guys have been passed by by younger players. We might, I mentioned earlier, there's 12 wide receivers on scholarship. Would you be stunned if one or two of them left? But I think at the offensive line, we're not surprised by this. And I think, you know, I mentioned this group of players, um, Nick Dawkins, Golden Israel, Chumba, uh, Jimmy Christ among them. They're all redshirt juniors. This is year four for them now. If it doesn't look like anything's going to happen in year four, I don't know if I blame any of them for trying to move on. Never mind the fact that, you know, Penn State's stated goal is to get guys to graduate in three and a half years. 
and it allows for, you know, an extra season maybe of, of being able to contribute somewhere. So I think Jimmy Chris, he, he mentioned he was going to be a grad transfer. He's got three seasons of eligibility left. He was in year four. I mean, all the, it all came together for him to, to leave at the optimal time. He'll have his degree. Um, he'll, he'll get a chance to reevaluate where he can end up. I don't know if he's really like a, a power five player at this point, but um, I liked him coming out of, of high school. I, I thought he had a nasty demeanor to him. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if like his, his lankiness was going to um, be a problem or not. Maybe that was part of it, but uh, I think he's got something to offer. Uh, but I think he's another, uh, another case where Penn state loses a guy, but it's logical. And I think it's another case where Penn State would wish him well. I think, you know, you're going to need Jimmy Chris in your program. You're going to need guys who fill out the practice squad and who who are the second team players who get the offense ready to go. You need guys like this in your program. And he stuck around for three and a half years, uh, you know, kind of plying his wear. So I think this is not a failure on Penn State's part. It's not a failure necessarily on Jimmy Chris's part. They've been they've been locked and loaded at right tackle and left tackle. There haven't been any openings at all for a guy like this to, to jump in there. Uh, but I think I think he might be able to catch on someplace else and and uh, and and play however much he wants to. And whenever you have a transfer like this, Dusty, this is the, where I say this is what the transfer portal was designed for. It gives this player a chance to play for the, for the university for Penn State. It's you know what he probably wasn't going to be a factor on the two deep, so it frees up a scholarship. I don't want to use the expression he was processed or anything like that, but they're okay with it because they're not affected. They graduated the kid. It, this is a great win for everybody, and it's what the transfer portal was designed for. So, Dusty, we got to talk about the other way to acquire talent, which is recruiting, and they got not one but two over the weekend. Let's start with the Pennsylvania kid. They got another offensive lineman. And when someone is listed as 6'5", 275 pounds, I love when they use the adjective athletic for them. I mean, it's like it's relative, right? Like for for a big body dude, he moves pretty well. He's a natural mover at, at that at that size. And I think that's that's what Caleb Brewer is. Um, he's a three star guy, I think. You know, being uh, you have to really be a top flight, you know, interior offensive lineman to be a four star or a five star. Uh, Caleb Brewer, probably more of a, a developmental type player um, for now, but, you know, good athlete, good frame, good size. Uh, I think, you know, you look at his offer sheet and you can kind of see others who saw the same upside in him. Uh, I listed out Michigan, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Wisconsin as some of the, the the big offers that he had. So I think Penn State did well to keep him in state. He's not the biggest name in the state in the 24 class. He's not the best offensive lineman uh, in the state. He's, he's going to come in. He's not even going to be the, the best offensive lineman from his own high school on the Penn State roster. But he's, he's a guy who can develop and I think um, is somebody that Penn State really liked. And at this point, the way that they're developing – recruiting, evaluating guys, you, you kind of have to trust Phil Troutwine that this is the type of player who can thrive in his system. Uh, and I think if we were talking about Phil Troutwine this time last year, 
I wouldn't have said you've got to trust Phil Troutline, but I think Caleb Brewer is a nice little prospect for them in the 24 class. I think he's the second offensive lineman in that group too. Yes, he is. And on Sunday, they get another running back, this one for the class of 25. And as we were talking about between segments, this is on the heels of getting the best player in Pennsylvania who will most likely be a running back at Penn State, Dusty. But in fact, it seems like this much talent in the running back room does not scare kids away. They want to be part of it and be part of a running back duo or even trio. It works for everybody. You know, the idea that you don't need 200 carries a year to prove that you're NFL worthy uh, is a great development for coaching staffs and for players and for doctors who don't have to work on these guys. I mean, you only have so much tread on the tires. It's best for everybody that you are part of a group or at least part of a duo. And they're not scared off at all. And I think what we're seeing right now is Jaywan Sider absolutely striking while the iron's hot. He's got a, a talented, buzzworthy backfield, and he is using it to his fullest. Uh, Keandre Baker from Texas, uh, real top 75 player by 24-7 sports. And then Quentin Martin, the number one player in Pennsylvania in the 24 class, is on board. So the star power is lining up at that position. And Jaywan Sider not only stayed at home in Pennsylvania to, to finish the job there, he went down to Texas to get another top 75 player for that running back room. When Nick Singleton and, and Katron Allen move on, looks like that backfield is going to be in pretty good hands. An awful lot to be excited about there, Dusty. All right, that is it for our show. A lot to talk about today. It was great. We'll continue talking blue-white game the rest of the week. Join us then. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. 